milestone ambition or worldly acclaim. I just wanna be the one you love, 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 and with your ambition that you feel the same. I just wanna be the one you love, love, love. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your Boom. I really like that cover of the Ing Spot. So welcome, everyone. It's Friday. My microphone's not really cooperating, and I apologize for the delay. It's been a uber crazy day. Um, but, you know, for the first time, I actually, um, I, I finally got law enforcement involved because uh, it's getting, it's becoming a little bit more than um, than normal. See, uh, you know, I don't talk about it much, but I get death threats all the time, uh, specifically uh, at the apartment in Mayfield. My mailbox is always Jimmy. There's always like stupid notes in there telling me how I should not be suing to wine and how I'm an anti-vaxxer and I should die and so should my kids. But lately I've been getting some really vicious ones and not just there in a very secure building in my mailbox. And one of them had like baby powder in it a while back. No big deal, right? But last night I, um, I, I posted a few of those because, you know, it was on my mind. You know, long drive back to Cleveland and um, my kid was sleeping, right? And, you know, it was on my mind. And then to see um, someone actually own one of the most brutal statements ever stated, I was like, damn. And this has been going on for a while from, from actual, you know, uh, people that are on the internet say things and they think they can get away with shit. Well, now it's time to get people rolled the fuck up, right? Because it's not the way you should act. You wouldn't do that in my face. You wouldn't do that in any time in my face. You would never do that. And, you know, obviously in the background, I've complained to people I work with. Um, and, 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 and we're talking like people, like lawyer people and others. And, um, you know, obviously I'm getting my first hearing thing on May 4th. It's not even discovery yet. It's, it, it's supposed to be just about Akbar. Like, I have no clue why the magistrate is jumping in anyway. But this is a very important case. And I don't think people understand it. It's so important that everyone that's supposed to be um, helping is having their own fucking drama right now, meltdowns and, you know, pretending that they're allowed to disrespect. They're allowed, you know, to 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 roll you down because, you know, they've got drama. Right. 
they've got drama. So they're allowed to bring it in my space and then say, we should share the burden because you weren't paying attention to my drama. Right? And that's the thing. That's what one would call like naive or dependent relationships. I say that all the time, you know, because obviously I lived a life and had a career where I would actually lie to my loved ones because I couldn't tell them what I was doing. And therefore, I would allow um, certain behaviors, uh, speaking down to me, demanding things from me. And I, w- I would make that concession because I'd say, you know, I'm lying to them. So they're probably figuring out that, you know, I'm not being honest. So I should just, you know, uh, leave it alone. Right. That, 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 that was the whole thing. And that was, uh, and I allowed that to happen. I, I actually allowed it because I would qualify it with, you know, since they don't know, people have the right to behave like babies and disrespect me and not acknowledge, you know, anything. And, you know, you're supposed to guess what someone's going through. So, you know, you're supposed to, you know, just make concessions. Well, it's, it's not, no, that's not it. You should be treating people the way you want to be treated right? Not, uh, well, I'm to this. That's that stuff I don't need now. So the fact that it's happening now means A, either they were there for that specific purpose to cause shit at that point, or B, they're cracking under pressure and really don't need someone that's a chain that's linking cracked. Nope. And see, and I, and I get it. See, uh, I I was trying to get to it because I was thinking about it driving down to Columbus yesterday that, you know, people that are depressed, like actual depression, and it's not a nice thing. I I believe I I struggle with that, but I would say it's more PTSD-ish, right? But they always use the I and the me a lot. Like, I have this, I have, you know, they're always... I, me, I, me, 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 I, I, right? And um, how do you, they do. They normally, normally, like it is like well known that normally people that are depressed use, you know, me, 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 I, 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 I'm like so overwhelmed. I can't do this. I need to, I just need to run. You know, those people that are depressed are, you know, self-centered and selfish because they're depressed and it's understandable. But, you know, there's one key way to um, get out of depression. See, being depressed is genuine. And that's because you feel that there's no meaning or purpose and you're not stimulated or you're not happy or you're letting other people play you like uh, puppet strings or whatever, right? It's because you need to have genuine meaning. But in order to have genuine, actual, real, hardcore meaning to life, right? Um, you have to understand that that can only be achieved when you actually offset that hardcore suffering. And the only way, right, you can actually achieve this meaning in your life, this purpose in your life, this, this feeling of accomplishment, right? And get this, this, how, how would I say it? I'm, I'm trying to find the right word. 
um, bonafide. There we go. Bonafide meaning, right? Because depression is bonafide suffering. So how do you swap from bonafide suffering to bonafide meaning in life? I'll tell you. Bonafide service to others. If you treat every person and even yourself more, if you treat yourself like someone that you are responsible for, if you actually have bonafide service to others because you want to, you want to see them smile, you want to see them better, right? That is how you get out of your bonafide suffering, okay? That is exactly how you do it. And and that is not a secret. I mean, you know, for those of you that are religious, it's in all religious texts, service to others, service to others, service to others, because that's key. It's key. Now, another antidote, see, for me, pe- people would be like, are you just like not? Oh, my gosh, I get upset all the time all the time because, you know, I still see some of the nasty things people say, right? I see it and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, they know that I'm a compassionate person. They know that I can take it. They know that I'll sit idly. They'll know I'll say, look, they're just stupid. They know, 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 you know, but you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not something that doesn't bother me. But I, I like to see it differently. You know, I guess I like to see that my whole, um, my whole life going forward in service is adventurous and it's a mystery and it's uncharted waters. And if I tackle challenges as, as uh, uncharted waters, then it feels better, right? Because I, make no mistake, You know, there's a lot of people online that like to opine and talk shit. And I like to create it in a more lighthearted way. I um, uh, uh, like to uh, put forward um, a lighter foot to lighten the environment and, and, and and the undertones of the day. I do. But let's not make any mistake. These people are sitting there opining. I'm actually putting my life on the line. I'm actually getting threats. I mean, sitting down with the with law enforcement today, you know, I was like, well, they're going to this address because the, the school board made that public. And everybody knows where my apartment is. So I'm just really lucky that, you know, they don't have uh, the 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 other address where I have my children because people, you know, don't actually understand how it is. And, you know, just law enforcement looking at the stuff, you know, I, it was, it was actually quite, you know, he was, he was really nice, right? Really nice. Um, he understood like, this is not a game. When you take it to that level, you know, cause I see people posting things and they don't know what they're posting. They just think they're being nasty and mean, or maybe they're getting paid to do it. Right. This is where people get rolled up. Like I didn't even know, but there's like five charges tacked on. I didn't even know some of this stuff. Did you know that there's criminal harassment when people are obsessive about you and they do things? 
Yeah. Obsessive harassment. They can qualify it however they want. Right. Oh, but I'm just, nope. It's actually qualified harassment. Like it's actually, I didn't even know that. And, and that wasn't just for the death threats. You know, this is high misdemeanors, low felonies, right? It's not like games. And so, you know, I, I didn't know that that was something, you know, the harassment, um, you know, how many times does this person talk about you? Damn. And, and that one person isn't like another person that does it all the time. And I'm like, you know, maybe I need to do that. I should actually do that. I, when I'm in Florida, I'm actually going to do that now since it's happening there. And I'm actually going to do that because I need to start getting law enforcement involved and getting these people rolled up. They can't just say things and do things and get away with it because this is not a game to them. It's a game. It's about selling a book or they're fucking jerky or whatever it is. To me, it's my life, my family and my country. And that's, and that's the way it should be seen by all. I don't understand uh, how anyone would conceive that differently. You know, I know the, the, the newspapers are a little bit more careful. Like raw story has got a real problem on their hand because they posted stuff that isn't true. Seth Keschel's text, he apologized to me. He's like, I don't know why I said this stuff. I don't know why I did this. You know, I was really upset. You guys know that. Yet they posted it as if it's fact. This is where people need to start to get sued. But, you know, anyway, uh, about Raw Story, just so you guys know, that's actually an IIA operation that um, Patrick Berge has been a part of for a very long time. And um, that's actually something that will be shown in Shadowgate 3. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that he's the only one writing stuff there. Well, having someone else pretend to write it or whatever. But... Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a piece of shit of a rag. Nobody reads it, right? They pretend they're important and they're putting lies and you know how they're, they're, they're scripting them. Well, someone else told us. So then they're allowed to do it. Someone else can tell you that I'm Mickey Mouse. Does that make it true? No. So, you know, this for me is just rolling people up for harassment. I couldn't even believe that when, uh, someone who, um, collects information for me on some parts. There's over like a hundred hours of just attacking my children and I by one person. Like this is, you know, this is so, um, so bad. I, I, you know, it dawned on me, you know, at first I'm like, ah, you know, whatever, whatever. But I think I've been desensitized right? Uh, because it's done through social media. And I think a lot of us are desensitized by it. But, you know, the law enforcement officer uh, that sat down, you know, had me realize that it's, it's not normal, that this is, this is psychopathic behavior that is dangerous. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I, d- it didn't even resonate with me. Like, you know, I had to like digest that for a second. Um, because it is, um, it's really important that I do. I have to digest it because I couldn't, um, I couldn't fathom it. So people are going to start getting rolled up. Like one person is definitely. And, you know, then, you know, the detectives will find out who, who we are and who they are, you know, who, who we is in their communications. And, and that'll be pulled out too. 
because I think it's time to, to, to literally fight back because I'm busy going to court. I shouldn't have to worry about my life or someone harassing my children or myself. They could do their own business without attacking other people. I don't care how depressed you, you are or claim that you're, you're, you're right. You can be right in your own element. Go, go be right, right? You don't attack or target or harass or make death threats. Death threats to someone. So, um, so I guess next week, um, after I hop those, uh, the Tennessee and Florida, I, I'm, I'm actually going to be filing charges there too, because it's, it's time that we put our foot down. It's time that, you know, we stand up. I mean, I, I think I've been just so inundated with bullshit and other people's stuff that, you know, over the weekend, while the demons were stir crazy during Easter, making people think like they're super important and that they need to like, you know, whatever could create more havoc than, than than peace, right? Because they're, they're, they're really important right now, right? I, I stood back and I thought, why have I let this happen? Why did I allow people like that into my life that would, you know, these are questions I ask myself and everyone should be doing that self-reflection um, because if we all did it, then we would understand why our nation is in the position we are now, right? So uh, when I s stood back and saw it, you know, I, I was kind of like pondering on it and it's been sitting with me all week. And during, I guess, you know, a two and a half hour drive, uh, you, you get to think, right? You think. And um, obviously at some point we were stuck in traffic that Phoebe and I were having a crazy conversation that when my campaign manager called just to say something, she was like, hey, can you hang up? Because we're having a really good conversation. <laughs> um, but it's important that we we assess situations and let it sink in and try. And I, and I say this all the time to be objective. Now, no matter how objective you are, it, it, you can't see it if you don't step outside the forest. And, and I think that was my clarity time of realizing, oh man, I just need to cut the cord because I'm, I'm getting sucked in. I've always said this, stupid people will, will take you down to their level of stupidity and beat you with it, right? Because they're experts at being freaking stupid. And so, um, you know, um, we, we need to be able to see things clearly. Like when I was describing you know, this, this, this. And I was like, but that's okay. Cause so-and-so there's like so many hours of just like targeting and doing shows about me and my kids. And the person was like, that's not right. Now I can't help you. Cause that's not happening here. You should go to that state and file it because that's a felony. And I was just like, he, it was perspective, right? Through speaking through law enforcement, you know, multiple people, right? Not just, um, the one guy who, um, you know, uh, took the charges and, and, and did the report. I, I'm, you know, it was a perspective that, you know, I didn't realize, you know, I had allowed to occur, right? I can't even believe that I allowed it to occur. Like I felt so ashamed when I thought about it. Cause it, like his face, I guess, you know, said it all. And he was like, oh, so you're going to be like going to the, um, his, 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 she's going to go to this police department and no, no, no. But it was like, I felt so embarrassed. You guys, I felt like I was dumb. I was like, Oh my God, how did I allow this to perpetuate so long? Why didn't I do anything? And, 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 and I think it's, you know, a sidestep of, ah, oh, it's no big deal. It's nothing. No, 
You need to squash it when it happens. You need to cut the cord when it happens. When people do red flags, like, you know, I see people all the time where they're talking. They're like, I was just talking to this person. They deleted all the messages and they just act like it's nothing there. I was like, yep, zero trust. Boom, cut. I do that all the time. Someone does it, pulls a shit stunt like that to me. It's like they're dead to me forever. I don't give a shit if they're like, well, I have the right to do. I don't give a shit. Right. That's a trust thing. Right. You don't have the right to control what information I can still have when we share that information. That's a trust thing because I don't know if you saved it and I don't have it, right? You, you get it guys, right? Like in your text messages or anything. And so, um, I know a lot of you say trust, but discern. Look, I, the God is a bigger deliverer of justice than any one of us, right? And, um, it, it, it is, it is very important that we trust because it's a good thing. And, it's, 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 it's very important that we do have faith in, in God. And yes, we should be discerning things. But I think, um, how can we discern something when we're in the thick of it? It's not like we can see it. And today was like, like yesterday, I was kind of like thinking about it. And I was like, it's not normal that I'm getting like really nasty ones. Like, you know, I'm going to slice you up and feed you to hogs and all this other crazy stuff. Like, that's not normal right? That's like demented, psychotic things, right? That's, that's scary. If you think about it, right? That is really appalling, right? I I get death threats for years now all the time, right? I I think even Patrick Berge mentioned he wanted to cause me harm. And I think we have that somewhere written and video and stuff like that. But it's not about him today. It's about someone else and a group of someone else's, right? And so, uh, for me, I, I, I knew that it was going to be really difficult with this Dominion case because a lot of people are butthurt. A lot of people wanted to be right. A lot of people wanted to hate me. A lot of people wanted me to stay silent because it's coming out. A lot of people wanted a lot of things, right? And they thought that by, because everyone is in the thick of it, that they would accept it. You know, I, I think we've lowered our standards in human interaction. Right. When you have a public discourse, it's like we're allowing people to speak to us, you know, in the way they want to. Obviously, the way you talk, you're going to receive. Right. And that's OK. And having arguments is OK. But when you have people that completely blank you, like let's let's give an example. Let's pretend. Uh, let me pick someone. Let me go to the chat and find a name, just a random one. So it's easy. Um, okay. JD 1955, right? You and me are friends. Apparently this is just a hypothetical situation. Just so you can guys see just how fucked up people are. You and I are really good friends and you live down the street from me. We don't see each other a lot because we're always busy. You're busy bricklaying and, and making beautiful buildings. And you're like, you know, you've got your big ass company or whatever. And I'm busy doing my own shit, the Tory shit. And so, you know, we don't see each other. You're doing your thing. I'm doing my thing. Right. And, you know, we talk last night and I'm like, yo, JD 1955 tomorrow. Can't wait. I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go out. And you're like, yeah, so dope. So dope. Right. You don't even say that. You're just like, oh, well, you should rest and na na na. And then I text you, hey, what time am I, um, I don't know, coming to pick you up, JD. I have a Lambo. Let's go. Whatever, right? And you don't respond. 
So then, you know, the next morning I am like, Hey, yo, like, what do you mean you have to call your mom? Like you're an adult or, you know, or whatever you need to call the bank. Right. And JD's like, I got to call the bank before we can go out. And it's like, why do you need that? You know, I got you. Let's go. You still don't respond. And then, you know, let's go. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to roll up to JD's and see him. And then I call JD and JD's like, yeah, so like uh, I'm moving out of state. And it's like, wait a minute. When were you going to tell me this? Like, oh, well, you were busy. I didn't want to bother you. What the fuck? See, people are mentally ill when they think that kind of behavior is okay. Right. I'm, this is an example. Another example um, is, you know, uh, people, um, you know, asking you when they're depressed and, you know, they have their period, they broke something, uh, they're upset, you know, they're, they're stressed out that they could talk to you the way they want to and do things that shouldn't be okay. Um, because you should understand that. And because you didn't know they were going through all of that, you should share responsibility for it. You see what I'm saying? That's even more crazier, super crazy. Right. Super freaking crazy. <clears throat> like, how in the world am I supposed to know you're going through something? Oh, but 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 JD, I didn't want to tell you because, you know, you were busy making this big building and shit. And so, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. Like, this is how people are. This is the insanity. Yeah, that's narcissism. Exactly. Thank you. And it's and it's submissive narcissism. These are people that are abused and taken advantage of. These are this is this is America, though. Almost ninety nine percent of Americans are agreeable. Right. And, and, and that's a huge problem. They sit there and they allow people, you know, that are not agreeable, that are not nice people, take them and run them over and guide them and do shit because that's it. So anyway, JD's just an example, okay? Just an example, right? That's what happens. And see, we've all become agreeable people from the media and we've been conditioned to say it's okay to have crazy ass behavior, dangerous behavior, psychotic behavior, sociopathic behavior, because, you know, it's the internet and that's okay. And they're just angry and it's okay to do this. And then there's people that actually encourage that behavior, which is even crazier, right? So uh, that's the thing. The world has lost its mind. Right. And, and you'll have, you know, these dangerous people, these these insane people tell you. But, you know, I'm like, you know, totally your friend. I love you. I bought you a coffee. You know, uh, hey, J.D., I helped you, you know, pick out the tent. I even helped you pitch the tent. How dare you not say that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's the most insane thing. And you know why they fragmented our actual identities. They've created us, right? To put us down into these little tiny boxes. So let's, let's break down my box, right? I'm Tory. So I, I guess my skin is white, even though I would, it would be olive vitamin D deficiency and shit. Right. Um, I'm white. So, you know, that makes me uh, privileged. So I, I oppress people, right? I'm educated. So, you know, I have a degree. So I, I'm also oppressing people, right? That's another identity they've given me. Um, I'm a mother. So, um, you know, 
I guess no. See, I'm actually a victim because I'm a single mom, right? That's a victimization thing, right? I'm fat, so I'm a victim as well there too, right? <laughs> I'm just I'm just counting out all these different identities that I can play with, right? I'm Greek, which is actually considered a minority. So I guess I'm a victim there too, right? Right? I believe in God. Oh, shoot. Now I'm an oppressor now, right? Because religion. I'm straight, so definitely oppressing people with that too. Um, you know, I don't play pronouns. Whoops, super oppressor. You know, when it comes down to it, I don't give a shit if you've got 20 little fragmented identities and you've got one that says you're white, they will take you out. I don't care how many other victim cards you may have to play because people love to play the victim card, right? And that's the thing. We've been conditioned because they fragmented our identities and people have lost their fucking mind. Everyone's insane. Everyone's depressed. Everyone's a narcissist because you're on the internet and you think that you can say things and do things that normally are not allowed. Like, you know, speaking to the first law enforcement officers, you know, it was like, dude, lady, are you okay? Why are you saying that that's normal? Right? That's not normal. And it's like, you know, I was thinking, oh my gosh, it totally isn't. It's like, I've been put in my place. Right? I've woken up from that, that trance of being sucked in. That behavior like that is okay. And so, uh, you know, in order for us to see clearly, obviously we have to trim the fat and, and the things that don't make sense because people have literally lost their mind, right? They get on and they say things like there's no effect and they feel good because they're like, look, I'm hurting you. <laughs> Isn't that great? And it's like, oh my gosh, what kind of disgusting person do you have to be to say that because I'm hurting this person? It's a good thing. And we're all victim of it at some point. But it's like to constantly do it, to obsess. It's called, what did he say? Criminal stalking. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that. Like taking your stuff, putting it out, putting out things, intentionally trying to cause you harm, which guys, I actually found this shit written that they want to cause harm. That's a felony. And I'm like, why have I been sitting down? And I said to to the the I, I, to the law enforcement, so I just go down there and, and and I was like, and what do I need to produce? Oh, you just need to produce whatever you have because obviously these are crimes. And then I was thinking, why haven't I done this? Obviously, time is one because the first thing I did was try to look on the internet to go ahead and do it because I was like, oh, I have to go drive there, park there, wait my turn, you know, and I could be working. But you know. It's like, I think people don't realize just how, how nuts this is. It's like, does somebody have to die before things are stopped? Because this is dangerous. And we've allowed people to do this because they're butthurt, because they want to sell whatever they want to sell. It's okay to commit literal crimes. So it's, it's you know, uh wasn't it that guy who was that guy that went to jail for supposedly um cyber stalking and death threats it was some someone important that they pinned him with that even though it wasn't like that bad but they still pinned him and he went to jail like people are actually going to get rolled up and i i don't care
Like this should not be okay. You know, people are complaining that they need the ministry of truth. They don't want the ministry of truth. They don't want rules. But then I was like thinking, you know, that's terrible. But on the other hand, we're not holding each other accountable. People aren't doing things. They're creating teams so they can make the attacks even bigger. It's complete and utter lawlessness on the cyber space side. And, and, you know, it's fun to make fun of libtards, right? It's totally fun to mock like politics, fair game, right? Loser Senator, loser Congressman, not a president is a president is not, is not, but it's, it's actually tribalistic and it is freaking dangerous. And now it clicked as to why we have these crazy riots, why people scream, you know, when they see you and they talk. I mean, it's just, it's really crazy. And um, I mean, it just, you know, people are going to get rolled up. Like it's done. I'm like done. And I know a lot of people in their, in their twisted minds think, well, I'll just talk myself. Yeah, you better talk yourself out of it to the judge and explain and qualify why that behavior is okay. The judge isn't going to say it's okay. There are laws. And, and, and when it was spelled out to me like that, I got it. And I was like, see, I've been, I've been preaching about let's enforce the law. Let's use the law. Let's apply the law. Let's use the law fair, but we're really not doing it right. This is it. You know, insulting someone, you know, you're fat, right? Is one thing. Stalking someone every day and having hundreds of hours of footage of just trashing someone and even, you know, writing about it and even lying about it, right? That's something you need to take up with the judge. Like, I don't even have to be there. The charges are there. The detectives are going to do the work and they're going to be like, damn, like this person's sick. It's over. There is no like, but let me tell you on this. It, I don't give a fuck. It's wrong. And that's the thing. It's the detectives that do it. The, the, the people that are on the receiving end don't do anything, right? But when you actually have death threats and hundreds upon hundreds of hours of footage, it's game over. Like it's game over. And so, you know, for example, I got death threats from Pete Santilli on my phone. Like on my phone, that's how dumb he is. Like, why would you do that? He's been doing that for forever in a day. Tell me to watch my back. We're coming for you. Who's we? And how is that okay? When you cause mental, when your intention is to call mental, cause mental anguish, it's a real thing. So this is a good thing. Like, you know, I'm, I kind of feel better that I did that because, you know, I, I've been like, a, you know, low key stressed out getting stupid post-it notes, random letters in the mail, you know, things posted on my mailbox, you know, that concerns me. Right. But it's another thing when it's being applauded too. That shows you the sickness. So I guess it's important to see how this pans out because this is not okay. Um, you know, law enforcement also told me your case is pretty high profile. So now you need to be documenting everything, every little thing that could be out of place, document, document, document. So um, I'm going to start doing that um, because it's, it's just, nope. 
it's really bad. Um, and I want all of you, and I'll try to be better too. Um, you know, it's fun when we poke fun, right? And ha ha ha. But I think everyone um, should be more considerate of how they interact interact online, because I it just dawned on me that that a lot of the interaction that we see is actually criminal, right? It's criminal um, the way they interact. It, you see it. And, uh, you know, I try to, <laughs> sometimes I'm victim of it, the trolley part, right? Um, where I want to insult someone, but that's insulting. I don't harass them, right? I guess maybe John Brennan with the little toast things, but, you know, I'm going to hold my tongue on that one. Yeah, I can't fix that one. But you know what I mean? Um this is this is something that all of us should be aware of because for me, I guess it was like more of a realization, like, you know, getting the eye crud out of your eye. Um, you know, I, I, it's really important that we actually get um, our Internet Bill of Rights done. And people should be held accountable for behavior like that, uh, that in, that is intended to cause mental anguish. That's actually called criminal harassment. Um, so, uh, I urge every one of my listeners to be a little bit more, you know, um, uh, considerate when they interact. If someone's a loser and they say things, just be like, loser, leave me alone, right? If they start going at it, just block them, you know, just block them. You don't need to see that anymore. You can choose to block them. Uh, now, obviously, if they start putting notes in your house and stuff like that, you know, you take it to the next level. I mean, I, I think my lawyer was like, why haven't you gone to the police so, yet? And I was like, well, let me see if I could do it on the Internet. <laughs> so um, having said that, um, having said that, uh, if everyone can actually focus on just understanding that the Internet is not make-believe, that it's actually real and there are genuine consequences, life will be a little bit better. Now, um, yesterday I went down and I had a little campaign event. Um, I felt like my energy was sucked out going in there. I felt like I was not on my best game. I guess it was because I was a little bit, you know, in my own head. But, um, you know, I realized that a, a lot of people are concerned that President Trump is um, endorsing people during the primaries now that, that they just can't wrap their head around. I can't speak for the man. That's all I can say. I can't speak for the man. Um, and I have faith. Okay, that's all I'm going to say, that I have faith. Now, um before I close the segment on death threats, I wanted to show you uh, a segment that was done by Vice on just that in regards to election workers. I guess election whistleblowers don't count, but let's go. Fulton County's embattled elections director is heading for the door. Richard Barron resigning today. How did you know? Barron, in his resignation letter, wrote of the intense scrutiny and threats to our personal safety. 
time's running out, Richard. We're coming after you and every motherfucker that stole this election with our second amendment. Subpoenas be damned. You're going to be served lead, you fucking, fucking enemy communist. You will be served lead. Rick Barron and his staff have received hundreds of violent threats since 2020 from people who believe the Republican message that the presidential election was stolen from Donald Trump. Y'all will blow your brains out, you piece of shit. If you have a hand in this, you deserve to go to prison. You actually deserve to hang by your goddamn soy boy skinny ass neck. Election officials across the country are reporting feeling unsafe and are quitting their jobs. But when we met him in July, Barron said he wasn't going anywhere. I think at this point I've decided to stay because... You know, if if I leave, um, I think the the conspiracy theorists uh, uh, they win. A few months later, he's left his job and moved into a new apartment. I said I wasn't going to leave because uh, the conspiracy theorists would would have won. But one of the things that I started finding is that little things were stressing me out in ways they hadn't ever before. And it was almost like PTSD. Have the death threats impacted your decision at all? Well, my daughter learned about them. I mean, she doesn't even like me to go out and walk my dog without telling me to be careful and that I might be a target. And so it starts to weigh on you. I have to think about myself, my, how it affects my personal life. Um, it's been a rough year. I can imagine all you have been through and it's kind of just building up. You just run out of energy and it isn't really even the people that make the phone calls. It's the leaders that they aren't leading anymore. I, I think they're cowards and hypocrites. Do you think law enforcement should have done more when you were reporting these threats? You know, I think at some point, law enforcement needs to step in and stop the harassment of public workers. Barron did report the most serious threats to the Fulton County Police Department. These included emailed statements about what his staff and their family members were living through. One staff member said her mother was doxxed and called racial slurs. Another reported that people showed up to his house. And another received a call that people with guns were coming to, quote, kill all government workers. Fulton County police have not opened an investigation into any of these incidents. We're heading to a Fulton County elections warehouse, and we're going to try to get in touch with some of the people who made threats to election workers. And as you can see, there's still security parked out here to kind of safeguard this warehouse even a year after the election. So some of these people that left threats did it by voicemail and they left their phone number. So we're going to try to give them a call back and see if they pick up. So this person called from an Atlanta area code. And we're going to listen to the threat. Hey, Rick, I'm one of your constituents here in Forsyth County and watched that hearing yesterday and it's quite alarming i guess uh what is it tar and feather i don't know what we do these days 
Is it a firing squad? Is it hanging for treason? Ooh, boy, you better run. That's all I got to say. Hello. Hi, my name is Alexis Johnson. I'm a reporter with Vice News. Um, we're recording this phone call, but I wanted to get in touch with you about a call you made to Richard Barron regarding the 2020 election last year. Yeah, you'll find out. I got to pass, though. Thanks. Hi, my name is Alexis Johnson, and I'm a reporter with Vice News. At the tone, please record your message. So give me a call back, if you will. Thank you. Right. If you feel you received this message in error, please... Well, somebody's calling me back from Tennessee. Hey, I'm calling back. Somebody that called me about something, some election or something. Yeah, yeah. Hi, thank you for giving me a call back. My name is Alexis Johnson, and I'm a reporter with Vice News. Yeah, well, I was just calling uh, to talk to you about a phone call that you made to Fulton County election workers last year. Yeah, I think I think I'm like every American that's watched elections get decided the night of, and then. I watched Georgia, and you can't tell me that the people that were doing what they were doing caught on video were not doing something dishonest. When you called um, Mr. Rick Barron and said that we're watching you all closely, can you describe, like, what you meant by that? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. We were watching video feeds the whole time. We know what they were doing. Do you think it was the right thing to do to, to call some of these people smells that they might have felt was threatening and they might have been fearful? That's on them. You know, when you're a public servant, you've got to be ready to stand up for the scrutiny of people. Then I would say that if you've done any nefarious actions, anybody that's threatened by what I said, you're only threatened because you're guilty. This is John Johnson, right? I just wanted to confirm. If you'd like to confirm that, you can. Okay. This person called from Indiana and left this voicemail. Either you're blind or you're crooked as So figure it out, buddy, because which side you're going to be on when the tooth starts, brother? Hi, my name is... So what's the difference there? Righteous indignation and telling them you will be held accountable. You will be held accountable. But they didn't send them post-it notes. They didn't put mail, uh, you know, in their mailbox they didn't send them death threats. They didn't say, I'm going to kill you. They said, punishment for this, for treason, is hanging by your toes. You see the difference? Righteous indignation is saying your peace and it's over, right? And and <laughs> like John Johnson, he said, yeah, we were watching. We saw what they did. Those weren't death threats, right? Death threats. Because, you know, that person could have called John Johnson back and said, yo, I had nothing to do with that. But I agree with you. Election should be fair. And it ends there. But the difference between we need to be able to discern the difference. We are we have every right to state our opinions. We have every right to tell someone you will be held accountable. We can taunt our enemies when we are fighting, right? Taunt. But we do not have the right to do death threats. These are not death threats, like they say. They're saying they're death threats. That's not a death threat. That's telling them you will be held accountable. You will hang by your toes because they all will. They're going to be in trouble. All of them are. And there she is in the room with the damn election machines. Isn't that weird? Like, how is she in the room with the election machines? Like, I'm so confused. Uh, I'm just going to leave it. So we have to see what the difference is. You don't threat someone's life, right? But you can tell them, I promise you that there will be consequences, right? 
threats to someone's life is a big difference. Now, um, I wanted to, to, to give you that because this is what is being used in order to create the ministry of truth. And that's because we have people that don't know when to stop. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very important that we understand the differences and it's very important because bills are being passed and you're going to see it in your state very shortly. And this is just a heads up. Okay. Now, a heads up that's a little bit longer in the extent it should be coming, I don't know, in the month or so that they're going to start discussing it on a state level. But something on a more closer note is something that I had told you guys a couple of weeks ago, that currently at this moment, we are fighting a battle against religion and that Christianity is clearly taking a back seat. And so I kind of thought about it. I did a little bit of homework and I was looking into that whole, you know, scenario of um, uh, religious persecution, especially within our armed forces. So I thought it would be an, a great opportunity right now to show you the interview that Lieutenant Colonel Carla Weiss had uh, with Emerald Robinson. Uh, it was quite an exciting interview. Um, I can't seem to be able to find it on um, Frank's speech, but I have it for you, and I'm going to play it for you right now. Lieutenant Colonel Carla Weiss is a 26-year member of the Air Force and a Catholic. Colonel Weiss submitted for a religious exemption on September 21st of 20. Weiss's lawyer notes that the military, quote, bends over backwards to accommodate other religions, but actively wait a minute. Christians, Let me pause it. Creating a double standard. Give me a second, you guys. Is unlawful. In her, did you guys say that there was no audio? You couldn't hear her. Okay, there was no sound. Okay, I'll do it again. I'll start it over. I apologize. I sincerely apologize. Here we go. Lieutenant Colonel Carla Weiss is a 26-year member of the Air Force and a Catholic. Colonel Weiss submitted for a religious exemption on September 21st of 2021, saying abortion is a sin and against her faith, and she did not want to take the COVID vaccine that's being mandated by the Pentagon. However, on April 14th, Weiss was served with a denial and next steps. She was given three options. One, take the vaccine. Two, appeal. Or three, separate herself from her service or retire. However, by order of the Secretary of the Air Force, in an order last year when the pandemic was in full swing, mandates uh, religious freedoms be accommodated. So Lieutenant Colonel Weiss has decided to take option number two, an appeal, citing religious disparity and per persecution in the military. In her appeal, Weiss's lawyer notes that the military, quote, bends over backwards to accommodate other religions, but actively persecutes Christians, creating a double standard that he says is unlawful. In her appeal to the Air Force, Weiss noted all of the scripture in the Bible that supports life, meaning that any of the COVID-19 vaccines would contradict her faith as they were developed with aborted fetal cells. And in fact, more and more religious accommodations are being made every day in the military for groups like Muslims, Sikhs, and Jews. However, to date, there have been no religious exemptions given to, to members of any branch of the military that we are aware of who identify as Christians. And with that, we would like to welcome in Lieutenant Colonel Carla Weiss herself and her attorney, Russell Newman, with the America Project. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Carla, 
your uh, lieutenant colonel uh yours is a story that i have admittedly heard from lots of service members in different branches of the military particularly many overseas but because of the repercussions they fear they'll face they've not gone on the record and they've not come out in public with their story why was it important for you to come out and and put your face with your name and your situation and go on the record um It's important because we're all in the same place. We, we're all facing the same things. Um, and we're facing it because we have a, a religious objection to getting the shots. But yet we're still facing the repercussions and now, for it. Right. And basically, your branch of the military so far has given you three options based on the, the, the denial letter they gave to your religious exemption. Either you can start the, the vaccine regimen, you can appeal religious accommodate, you can appeal the religious accommodation, uh, de denial, or you can retire. You've been in over two decades. How, what do you do from here? You've sent in the appeal. Uh, how, how do you see this going from here? Honestly, I don't know. I, I take it day by day and I hope for the best. Um, and, and technically by the option of retirement, um, I actually don't have that option. So it's either separate or retire. Um, yes, I have over two decades of service but I'm currently under an active duty service commitment because of the job that I currently have. So I don't have the option of retirement. So if, if it does not go favorably, I'll be forced out with nothing. Wow. Now you highlight in the letter appealing the, the denial, you highlight that the as recent uh, as last year, there was a letter from uh, the secretary of the Air Force that noted that uh, they had to adhere to religious accommodations that you can't impose on a service member's religious beliefs. And those uh, those provisions have been made and accommodated to other faiths like the Muslim faith. In, in reference to wearing hijabs, which we noted at the top of your segment. Also with yarmulkes, uh, beards for certain Muslim and Sikh men. So what are accommodations that are currently made for Christians like you? Are there any? Because I'm not aware of any accommodations made. Not in general. Um, I, I think um, any of them that are made are more superficial. For example, if I requested Good Friday off because I want to observe Good Friday services, um, I could as long as it doesn't impact the mission. So um, this past Good Friday, um, I was, well, technically I didn't ask, but I also was not upfront accommodated for anything. Um, I was actually by name requested to complete a portion of the mission because no one else was available. 
Now, Russell, as your as her attorney, I have a question for you because in your filing, I noticed something uh, in your letter that you brought up that I wasn't aware of. Now, we knew that there's not an approved vaccine that's available to be taken. They're still using the EUA, uh, the emergency use authorization vaccines, because the others have not been manufactured. But you're also saying even the ones that are, are quote unquote FDA approved and are touted as FDA approved, Comirnaty and, and Spikevax, that they're not actually what you call FDA approved. They have a BLA, meaning that they were approved to start trials. Can you explain that to our viewers? Because I don't think anyone really knows that. Yeah, sure. So when the when they say that the vaccine has been FDA approved, what it is is misleading. It's a true statement, but you have to ask what has been approved by the FDA. In order to introduce into interstate commerce a new product, which is all of these shots, in order to introduce into interstate commerce a new product, to start a clinical trial, you have to have a biologics license application submitted and approved by the FDA. Now, all of these shots, the J&J, the Moderna, the Spikevax, the Comirnaty, and then the Pfizer BioNTech, all of them have been approved by the FDA in the sense that they have a BLA. What does that mean? That permits these companies, these pharmaceutical companies, to inter interject into interstate commerce a new product. That begins the clinical trial. Now, the clinical trials are supposed to go on for eight, 10, whatever, many years so that the scientists and pharmaceutical companies can study their effects and then the FDA makes a determination of whether or not to approve the shot itself. And these have not been approved by the FDA. The only thing that has been approved is the BLA, the Biologics License Application, which permits them to start a clinical trial. Now, under emergency use, you cannot mandate an unapproved product. All of these are unapproved uh, by the FDA. And federal law, the Code of Federal Regulations, the Supreme Court case law, and the FDA guidelines require that the recipient be given the option to refuse. So the Air Force in this case is just blatantly violating federal law. And so we're asking them to relent and to reverse uh, Lieutenant Colonel Weiss's uh, religious objection, which they need to provide. They shouldn't be mandating in the first place. Well, and Right. And several people have made that argument, but they've been shot down. And clearly, Lieutenant Colonel Weiss, you're opposed to the development of the vaccine and the fact that it does use aborted fetal cells in the development and in the making of the vaccines. Other service members who have raised alarms, I've been told, sources all over the world have told me that when they raised their concerns about not only the vaccine mandates, but also the COVID restrictions and what it did for military readiness, remember the lockdowns and the work from home that even occurred in the military, that they were essentially punished. They found ways to do it with not saying that's explicitly what it is. And you and the military know there's ways to do that. And they saw repercussions. Have, have you faced any blowback uh, from your leadership in your job? Have, have they essentially punished you in any way for not adhering to the vaccine mandate so far? Um, from, my, from my current job um, and where I'm physically located, not directly. However, the other pieces of my job as an uh, upcoming nurse researcher, uh, I'm supposed to be afforded the opportunity to go to things like professional conferences, um, specifically military professional conferences for nurse researchers. Um, that is uh, tri-service. 
So it's all of our services. I'm supposed to be able to go to grant camp to learn how to conduct those processes for research and things of that nature. I can't do that. They say explicitly on their website, you must send in a copy of the front and back of your VAX card so we can verify you've been vaxxed or you cannot attend. So I'm denied those you, professional opportunities. Right. And I, the case I hear from a lot of um, members of the military who are concerned is that it also hurts our military readiness. And you're going to see exodus of some of the best and the brightest in the ranks because of these vaccine mandates. Now, I have to ask you, Russell, because this is a different argument than I've heard with the other uh, contest to the vaccine mandates, even in the military, and that being that there's uh, religious, religious accommodations given to other religions, but not to the Christians. And Carla, also, Lieutenant Colonel, you can maybe answer this for me. Are Muslims and uh, other faiths, are they opposed to the vaccine for the same reason as well? And have they been accommodated any kind of religious exemption for not wanting to take the vaccine or is it Christians only? Russell, you want to take this first? So I'll just go to the accommodations part. The, the Islamic faith has, uh, you know, exemptions in the United States military. For example, uh, female can wear a hijab. That is part of their religious beliefs. And so they are exempted from the uniform standards, which would ordinarily bar it. So they have that exemption. They have uh, kosher MREs are called religious MREs. And so they have uh, food, you know, that does not contain pork or consistent with their religious beliefs. Uh, they have uh, an exemption for uh, turbans and so uh, also yarmulkes and also the ability to grow beard. So in the ordinary uh, course, you know, it would ordinarily be exempt or illegal, can't, can't wear this stuff, but they are permitted by way of a religious exemption. So in this particular situation, we have an objection and, and the Lieutenant Colonel has asserted a religious exemption based on the fact that these vaccines contain aborted fetal cells, which is a uh, religious uh, objection to them and to put that in her body uh, do not believe that abortion is permitted by the Bible. It is offensive. And so she has asserted a religious exemption. And the United States Air Force should recognize uh, the fact that the Bible, you know, teaches that all lives matter, even unborn lives. And so uh, she has a legitimate objection to putting this in her body. And so it should be recognized. So far, the exemptions have been shot down, but this is a little bit of a different case, a different argument, Russell. So do you see this going all the way to the Supreme Court? You know, it depends on how it turns out. We have submitted an appeal letter. And so right now it's in a chain of command. We submitted this directly to her commander. And so that's Colonel Foster. And so she will run it up the flagpole, uh, if you will. They will make a determination of whether or not to grant uh, her religious exemption. If they grant it, then it's over. But we set precedent and we're going to we're going to get the word out. If they deny it, then we will be filing a lawsuit. We will first file in a United States district court and then the circuit court of appeals in that uh, area. And then ultimately the Supreme Court. I think it's a big enough issue that it should be decided by the Supreme Court. The only court in America that can make law for the entire nation 
is the Supreme Court. And so that's why you see splits in circuits. And so this, this goes to our entire military. And our entire military should have a Christian religious exemption to aborted fetal cells and being forced to put it in your body. Right. It really gets back to the heart of the Constitution and religious freedom. Now, Lieutenant Colonel, this is going to be, sounds like, you know, somewhat of a battle. It could be a long battle. Are you committed to taking this fight to the end? Or is there at some point that you decide, you know, maybe I'll just take the vaccine to stay in the military? Or are you willing to leave your career if you have to, to not have to take this vaccine? which is, as you know, your letter is not even a vaccine because it doesn't stop the spread of COVID, which we all know. No, I'm not going to stop fighting. Just as I volunteered for the Air Force over 25 years ago to defend the Constitution of our United States, this is part of that fight, to defend the Constitution of the United States, to defend the religious beliefs of our service members. Because if we're not protected, to be able to uphold our religious freedoms, who's left to protect the rest of America. Colonel Weiss, thank you so much for being here. Thank you both for being here. Please keep us posted on any updates and developments in your case and come back and share with us what they say about your appeal. A lot of our viewers will want to hear about how your case proceeds and that it has implications that reach uh, far beyond the military for Christians in America in general. So thank you. Will do. Thank you. Now, coming up, President Trump debuted a trailer at his rally in Ohio over the weekend for a much anticipated movie. With so what do you guys think? She's going to win it? Yeah, she will. Because this argument of religious exemptions and Christian persecution, right, is not new. And this is why when I saw this come down the pipeline of the military being forced, you know, it kind of gave me, you know, whiplash thinking of the anthrax and they lost that case with anthrax. And this is why everyone is filing the case like this. But what it reminded me was that there were um, there were arguments that I was present for uh, that. um the military has been under fire, that Christianity has been under attack. So I want us to revisit a little bit of history today and a few reports from back in the day. Let's see, should we start with 2015, 2016? Maybe we should take it. Let's see how far back do we want to go on that one. We'll go 2015. So I'm going to share a clip from Young Turks, believe it or not, where they discussed religion in the military. and. I'll tell you why we're starting with 2015 after you see this, okay? Because you need to see how this has been developing and you just missed it. That's all. You've just completely missed it because we've been busy. And like I said, they've been fragmenting our identity so much that we're so distracted with things and they're desensitizing us so much that we're losing focus. The Air Force Academy has a lovely oath that they have all the students take at the beginning of the year. It says, we will not lie, steal, or cheat, nor tolerate among us anyone who does. Furthermore, I resolve to do my duty and live honorably, so help me God. Now, it's good. We don't want the kids lying, cheating, stealing, of course. Uh, now, some people objected because they said, you know what? I don't believe in God, but I'm here to serve uh, my country. I'm willing to die for my country and fight for our freedoms.
including freedom of religion and my ability not to believe in religion. Okay, so that's very fair, it seems, if you believe in the United States Constitution. Now, uh, some religious zealots like Sam Johnson, who's a Republican congressman from Texas, disagrees. He thinks that this was an outrage that people complained about it. And in fact, the Air Force Academy in 2013 said, you're allowed not to say that last part. Okay, so... Of course, Sam Johnson said, it's because of one radical atheist group's demands. No, but they were demanding that you listen to the U.S. Constitution. That's not a radical demand, I would hope. So what did Sam Johnson do? He decided, I'm going to take the law into my hands. Well, that makes sense because he's a U.S. congressman. That's what he could do. He writes bills. So he introduced a bill that's, uh, that's called Preserve and Protect God in Military Oaths Act of 2015. Why does God need your protection? God is the creator uh, of the universe, and he's sitting up there thinking, and Sam, I really hope you write this bill. If you don't protect me in different oaths that different academies are giving, this whole thing could break down. (laughs) I'm glad you were there for And he explains, our Constitution's very first amendment protects every individual's freedom of religion, but our servicemen and women who protect our country with their lives are seeing that freedom under fire. No, the the atheists and other groups that complained are the ones protecting their freedom, the freedom that's given to them in the United States Constitution to not believe in your religion. That's the whole point of the country. We're the first country to be secular, so that did not have a state religion. We're the first one. Is that amazing? That was what part of the revolution was about. They're the ones protecting freedom in both ways. And besides which, these guys are always like, Oh my God, you took away my freedom to thank my Lord. No, I didn't go home and go, so help me God, 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 so help me God. Go crazy at your, in your backyard, in your home, wherever you want. You just don't are not allowed to force other people to do it while they're trying to serve in our military. So the whole idea that we took away your freedom is nonsense. You're trying to force your opinions and your religion onto others. But finally, he has this killer quote. He says, let me be clear. Americans have the freedom of religion, but not freedom from religion. Yes, Sam Johnson's religion will hunt you down and find you. You have no freedom from it. No, no, you misread the Constitution. You misunderstood the whole pun of the country. Yes, I do have freedom from your religion. I don't believe your religion. I don't have to follow your religion. I don't have to follow your fundamentalist Christianity. I don't have to follow fundamentalist Islam. I can draw any cartoons I like, and I can say any pledge I like uh, in regards to religion because I live in a free country. It's called America. Sam Johnson, you should look into it. Well, that didn't age well because, you know, we've made a lot of concessions uh, for all religions but Christians. Here's actually a clip that Christianity is literally under attack in the Navy. While former Navy Chaplain Wes Motter is sounding the alarm, and this is the message. If you're a Christian and you come into the military today, be careful. Your worldview will come under attack. You know why he knows this? Well, it happened to him. Chaplain Motter was told to hit the road and clean out his desk after the Navy didn't like his counseling on preaching the biblical view on sexuality and marriage. Motter fought back and he eventually won. But once again, another Christian under attack for their biblical beliefs. The Brody Files' Abigail Robertson spoke with the former Navy chaplain recently here in D.C. 
Can you just first tell me about what you have been through for the past couple of years? It's been difficult for me. Uh, but the good news is I won and the Navy exonerated me from all charges. They put me back on the promotion list. They gave me back my retirement, of which I just retired this week. Uh, so I'm, I'm speaking to you now as a retired Navy veteran. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I was uh, detached for cause, brought up on charges for being intolerant that I didn't care um, in private counseling sessions. I, um, after 19 years of uh, no blemish on my record, doing great ministry to our armed services, men and women, um, we the, the culture shifted and policies have changed, but scripture's not changed. So in private counseling sessions, um, my responses to uh, faith, family, sexual questions as an ordained minister in the Assemblies of God on active duty as a Navy chaplain, they, those weren't, take, they weren't received the way they had always been received in private counseling. They were taken out. There were charges filed. It, um, they fired me from the job, um, and it was an eight-month ordeal. And... Uh, but I just want to thank the Lord for his faithfulness because uh, the, the, the church stepped in. So I thank God for that, that, that it was a religious liberty win. It really wasn't about Chaplain West Modern per se. Uh, and so the Lord has opened up other doors. There's more positives that have come out of it. Uh, I cry easier. I, I think I preach better. I love my wife more. And uh, I am now the uh, newly elected senior pastor of Stone Church in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, so all of these things happened um, for me to be able to be where I'm at today. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. After you won your case, first of all, what was your reaction to that? The first thing I did when I got the paperwork, I drove home, tried to not be emotional. And I hugged my wife and I held her and we cried and thanking and praising God for his faithfulness, because really it's nothing short of a miracle. Um, typically, people don't recover from this sort of thing. But I want to encourage your listeners, I want to encourage the body of Christ that, you know, sometimes trusting God is a moment-by-moment -moment thing. Sometimes you have to, to relearn how to trust God. But ultimately, I knew the Navy would have my back. Ultimately, I knew the Navy would do the right thing. They needed to be coerced. I thank God for the First Amendment, our Constitution. We have good laws on the books to protect people from religious liberty attacks, government discrimination. So the body of Christ can be encouraged and strengthened in knowing that there are, there's, the, there's the big church out there. And when the church comes, when God uses the church, um, we have a great country. We have great laws that protect us. Christians do need to be on guard and alert in this day and age that we live in, no doubt about it. Okay, I really wanted to listen to the tune and <laughs> kind of shimmy to it. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to tell you guys that's precedence right there. See, they wanted to make an example of him almost 10 years ago. And this is how they've been doing it bit by bit. Now, they laughed at the, uh, you know, bill that was introduced, preserve and protect God in the military oaths of acts, because they were removing God in general. And at that point in 2015, as you noticed, because that's when this chaplain was being, uh, uh going, well, he was going through trial, um, 
the late Sam Johnson from, I want to, I think it's Clay County in Texas. Um, the representative had submitted this bill to the 114th Congress uh, in 2015. And basically it was prohibits any changes being made except by authorization or authorization by Congress to the military oaths required for original appointment as a regular commissioned officer, regular warrant officer, or reserve officer, enlistment in the armed forces or National Guard, and admission to any U.S. military service academy. Uh, They were changing the oaths. And that indeed was problem. And this act was the oath. The text of the oath required by this section may not be changed except by an act of Congress. So it, 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 this is basically all he wanted to pass. That was all he wanted to make sure that unless Congress says so, none of these oaths can change. No one passed that bill in a Republican uh, majority. Obviously, it was John McCain, Jim Inhofe, Jeff Sessions, Roger Wicker, Deb Fisher, Tom Cotton, Mike Rounds, Joni Ernst, Tom Tillis, Dan Sullivan, Mike Lee, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, all on the Armed Services Committee that didn't get this done. So it went in and it was introduced to them and and it was submitted and it didn't go anywhere after that. So I wanted to uh, make it clear yeah, Lindsey Graham actually sat, sat on the personnel board on the uh, on the subcommittee of it. He chaired the personnel division. That was his job to bring it to the floor, and he did not. So, um, I want you guys to know that there were people that were fighting this because they could see. I mean, everybody has a playbook. If 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 they don't, they're not important. So it, it was really really important. Um, now in 2018. Uh, this guy made this video. Do religious soldiers have a harder time? And I'd like us to watch it because now I'm going to, right after this, take you back to World War One. Military, and you've seen all these videos and you've heard all stories these stories about the way the military was before, where people who were religious, they were joining the military, then they got all kinds of crap. They got made fun of. And they had a terrible time in the military. So you're curious, is it going to be like that if you join the military right now? So for those of you who do not know, I've talked about this in live streams and it's on my social media and stuff every now and then. But I am Baptist and I get questions sometimes about that, right? People are wanting to join the military and they've seen all these things about how it's more difficult or you might get made fun of if you're a Christian or if you're a Muslim, if you're some other kind of religion, uh, whenever you join the military, because you've heard that from stories before. And so people will ask me, did I have any troubles? Was there any kind of issue that I encountered whenever I joined the military or even currently now in the military? And the answer is no. And so the reason I'm making this video is just to put this out there on YouTube to put this out there for you guys to just talk about it for just a couple of minutes. So it's probably not going to be a long video, but just to let you guys know, the military is not the same as it was 20, 30, 40, 60 years ago. If you haven't heard from people who were in the military a long time ago. And one of the things that's changed like a lot in the military is EO or equal opportunity, which is something that's really big in the military right now, which is basically not discriminating against people for, you know, their sexual orientation 
or their race or their religion, all these different things. We're supposed to, you know, be like, okay with everything. And religion is definitely a big part of that. I never heard anybody talking bad about people who are going to the churches on Sunday uh, in the military. And even in my experience, I've noticed that there will be people who are not religious at all. And they'll just kind of go to the chapel service. So they'll go to whatever religious service that maybe one of their friends is going to. Not that they invite them or anything. It's just because it's just something to do. And it is much more accepted in the military uh, today than it was in the past. And I know that in the past, it was way worse. My grandfather, for example, he's been on this channel before. I've talked about him in the live stream. I've talked about him uh, plenty of other times. But my grandfather has been a pastor the majority of his life. But before he was a pastor, he was in the military. And he was one of the guys who basically made fun of and beat up other religious people, other Christians and stuff like that. So that was kind of like okay back in the day. Back, you know, 60 years ago in the military, that was kind of like a normal thing. But it's not like that anymore. If you do that now, you will get kicked out of the military. You will get in a lot of trouble if you make fun of somebody for being religious, if you uh, discriminate against people who are religious. Yeah, see, that's not really true. <laughs> but let's just leave it alone. You don't because you're going to get, what is it called, a hate, a hate crime. And you know he's not referring to Christians, okay? We all know who it is. It's to the turban-wearing Sikhs, uh, to the Muslims, to the Jews, you know, the people that actually wear certain items or grow beards um, to do whatever. You know what? The beard thing, it strikes me odd. Like, I am all for everyone being able to uh, exercise their religion. Uh, other accommodations that they make is that during Ramadan, you know, um, Muslims do not eat or drink from sunup to sundown. So they get light duty, they get time off. Um, you know, the mission is changed for them to accommodate them. But the one thing that I was thinking is, you know, gas masks, right? If a guy, right, that has a beard has to put on a gas mask, it's not going to fit properly. That's a liability. So for me, I just, I mean, obviously that person has the right to not shave and therefore, you know, not fit on his face properly and then he'll die. But that is his sacrifice for his religion. So that should be fine. Um, and I hope it's actually quite scrutinous on that, that, you know, if you're on a mission and the dude has beard and it's not fitting, like you'll try to get him out, but you know, we're not going to kill other people trying to get him out because he chose that sacrifice. Um, for our religions, um, you know, we make concessions. We fast. We avoid certain foods. We avoid certain behaviors. Uh, we grow beards. We wear certain hats, head coverings, swords, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I... In the exemptions for the beards, that would have been my only concern is, you know, having a fitting mask um, and then putting everyone else in jeopardy because yours doesn't fit. So uh, but if if everyone's OK by leaving Joe behind because it doesn't fit on his beard because he chose it, then that should be great. So um, now I wanted us to. um take a break. But before we do, uh, I wanted to show you guys how the U.S. military was actually attacking veterans of the United States military right after World War I. Showing you this now for later. Enjoy. In 1932, Washington was under siege. 
The capital was surrounded by over 10,000 unemployed veterans of World War I from all over the country. Their only assets were the bonus certificates they'd been given after the war, which promised a cash bonus sometime in the future. They needed it now. At the end of May 1932, nearly 10,000 bonus marchers occupied the nation's capital, and tens of thousands more were on their way. I'm going to get my bonus, and I'm going to wait for it till I get it if I have to wait till 1945. That brought you to Washington. Why, well, to beat the undertaker, spend the money before the undertaker gets it. I know who's made this country worth living in. It's just you fellas. Look, <coughs> makes me so damn mad a whole lot of people speak of you as tramps. By God, they didn't speak of you as tramps in 1917 and 18. No. <laughs> Take it from me. This is the greatest demonstration of Americanism we've ever had. Pure Americanism. President Hoover was left to deal with the veterans when the Senate rejected their demands. The marchers had stayed, camped out in central Washington. On July 16th, the last day Congress was in session, Washington was on edge. Thousands of angry veterans surrounded the Capitol. Near midnight, the 72nd Congress adjourned. Congressmen left through back doors and underground tunnels to avoid confrontations. The situation had come to a head. The president ordered the evacuation of the veterans from downtown Washington. Now you bring in the troops. When MacArthur moved his troops to the affected area, he knew exactly what he was going to do. And he adorned himself in his dress uniform along with his major aide, Dwight D. Eisenhower. The force stepped off at 4.30 p.m. More than 200 cavalrymen spread out across Constitution and Pennsylvania avenues. Behind them came 400 infantrymen followed up by tanks and armored vehicles. The cavalrymen, one of whom is Major Patton, have got their sabers out. The soldiers donned gas masks and without warning began hurling gas grenades at the veterans. The troops advanced, some jabbing with bayonets. It's war, the greatest concentration of fighting troops in Washington since 1865. I knew something was going to happen that they might be attacked. And uh, I had a press card, so I passed the police lines, and then I saw the soldiers advancing into the camp. And when confronted with this, the men all stood there and said, stand firm as long as you can. And uh, they started throwing tear gas. Tear gas was just burning my face. I was trailing behind my dad, and he kept hollering, come on, boy, come on, boy. Marchers were choking from the gas, just like the battlefields in France. And so they're being forced out of their shacks by smoke bombs and tear gas, hurled by the troops who have been called out by the President of the United States. I've never seen anything like it. They systematically went down the line, burned up all the tents and all the possessions of the people there. 
I was thinking of Herbert Hoover when this happened, because his election was in three months. I thought this would be, uh, would be the finish of Hoover. The orders of the president must be obeyed. And the roaring flames sound the death knell to the fantastic bonus army. In the shadow of the beautiful dome of the capital of the United States of America. The veterans did not believe the country for which they had fought would ignore the plight into which the depression had placed them. Many did not believe that United States troops would take the field against them. By early evening, most of the marchers had been driven across a drawbridge that led to their main camp. The president does not want MacArthur to cross the bridge. And MacArthur disregards the order. Eisenhower later says that he saw this happen. MacArthur says, I cannot bother with pieces of paper doing a military operation. And so he crosses the bridge. All through the camp were scenes of panic. My dad says, let's get the hell out of here. The soldiers are going to kill us. Then troops began to set fire to their wooden shacks. One reporter wrote, the blaze was so big it lit the whole sky. A nightmare come to life. The president looked out a window of the White House in the direction of the fire, then retired for the night. And the roaring flames sound the death knell to the fantastic bonus army that ends so disastrously in the shadow of the capital of the United States of America. The morning after the bonus route, public sentiment took a dramatic turn against Herbert Hoover. If the expulsion needed a human face, it came in the person of Joe Angelo, whose story was published across the nation. But Joe Angelo gets the Distinguished Service Cross for saving Patton's life on the battlefield. The next morning, Angelo comes to the uh, burnt-out field to see Patton. Patton says, take this man away, I don't want to see this man. The BEF was broken up. The men returned to some city or other, there to roam the streets, hopelessly seeking work or to shuffle in bread lines. There they remain, crying examples not of the need for the bonus, but of the need for a new American system. That video has been archived. I have saved a lot of these videos for you to show you what real history is like. See, this isn't something that's new. The veterans were complaining that they were homeless and they had no jobs after going down on D-Day. Those that survived, and it was General Patton, and it was Eisenhower, who were shooting at them burned their belongings, chased them out of town, and held them as criminals, veterans. Now, if you can't see the real history of your nation again, you should peruse the Library of Congress. These were real happenings. And I am showing you why the Second Amendment is necessary and why you can't just blindly trust the military, because the military fights its own soldiers. And they have gone out to kill them with tanks 
and guns and tear gas and set their shit on fire because you must obey the president. Because it's not just homeless veterans now. So for those that believe that there is no dark history, oh yes, there is. And for those that think that this is okay, (laughs) see how they wrote the story the next day with a medal? Everybody forgot that those people that went and fought a war that wasn't ours, that they created and became rich. They liked the first one. So then, you know, after that, they cut Social Security and then (laughs) they created Social Security. So no one's dependent for their old parents or veteran parents. And the reason is because Americans at that time were too busy with shit. Remember, just then they had the pandemic with the masks four feet apart, not six feet at that time. They had a dust bowl, murder hornets, uh, the, the, what was it? The race wars in Chaz, identical. And then this happened. So again, this is super important that you recognize patterns and you recognize truth. People don't like the truth. Because it's super ugly. No one ever knew about this. I'm pretty sure that out of what, there's like 4,000 people right now live just on Rumble. You've probably never heard of this before. And these are the soldiers that were dropped down to get killed on D-Day on that beach, remember? Right? It was the human wave attack where thousands died and they create these shenanigans and this annual uh, ritual where they go down there and they award people for D-Day. Yet those people that survived and came back, they were ready to kill because they surrounded the Capitol. They waited peacefully for them to pass a bill so they're not homeless. This is it. And you know why? Because every other single citizen did nothing to stand with them. No citizen said, you know what? This is wrong. I'm running for office. No citizen stood up and said, I'm going to run. I'm going to fix this because this is not good. Right? This is why it happened. And I tell you that this summer is that final push where that baby comes out. And does it come out to be a monster? Does it come out to be a bouncing, healthy little baby boy or girl? That's up to the people and how they take the reins back for their communities. Because this, yeah, it wasn't D-Day. It was the first World War One. I. I apologize. Well, I got ahead of myself with the other video. Sorry, but we're not going to see it now. We don't need that right now. You need to digest things one by one. See, again, many times I say, you have some spare time, you're on your computer, rather than sit on toxic shit and rabbit holes, peruse the Library of Congress, pull up those magazines, pull up those newspapers, pull up whatever documentation or video you can find. And boy, you will be surprised what you can learn. This is the age of information, so ignorance is definitely a choice. It's not all pretty, is it? No, it's not. And you're about to see just how ugly history is rewritten by the victors. When it should just stay ugly. So that way we don't repeat it. I'll see you guys right after this short break. This is a war on religion. This is a war on the children. 
They give you the cure with a sickness This is a war on tradition This is a war on religion This is a war on the children They give you the cure with the sickness This is a war. This is a war. This is a war that we live in. Don't ever reveal to you that they are still even killing you. They don't tell you what the hell you agree to. She's been hurting you. Don't know who leading you. Keep on proceeding to follow your mind. So hollow are you being caught up by government swallowing up everything that the media tell you without a question or a problem? All of the sheep being slaughtered. They poison the water, removing the father and trusting these daughters, ignoring blue collar, keep printing the dollar and washing your sons and your daughters. Ain't got any honor if I'm being honest. I just ain't picking this side, but I'm not around for my freedom and die for my freedom and question the government lies. A lot on my mind, it's so little time. Gotta thank all of us needing a sign. The devil leads. And ego and pride, they sell them, they sell them, they paying the price God won't give you more than you can handle Government should be the standard, every politician got a scandal Prepare for the war, we going to battle This is a war on religion This is a war on the children They give you the cure with the sickness This is a war on tradition This is a war on religion This is a war on the children All right. Welcome back, guys. So I just wanted to share something quickly with you that is so annoying to me for news sake. So I want to show you guys. Oh, can I share that? I can. I want to share my Telegram thing. So I'm looking here in the chat. Um, I hope you guys can see it. Um, here we go. So I'm looking here in the chat and I'm seeing that Carly phone shares Joe Biden used alias of RGB spy from Tom McClancy's novels. This type of shit drives me insane. Over a year ago, I wrote an article on using the name Peter Henderson, and it's not supposed to be funny about Tom McClancy. It's the fact that he was using foreign intelligence servers. See, this is the problem where as to where you get the news and what is being shared. And you have to ask yourself, why is it, why is it that they're sharing this kind of garbage right now? Why are they minimizing the actual news? Right? Why are they minimizing the actual news? Why aren't they reporting that the Peter Henderson thing that I wrote about last year was about them using German intelligence servers to evade NSA detection. You see, that's how you know that you really need to be careful who you follow for your news. And it is so unfortunate, you know, because I'm pretty sure that Carly person, whoever they are, saw my article. They obviously didn't read it. Or apparently they think it's not credible, right? Damn, there's not going to be enough crow around. So let's get into something else. Yesterday, as you guys know, I was um, campaigning and my feed was constantly being cut, which was weird, right? It was super weird. I mean, not so super weird. I expected it, but that's bad, right? It's super bad. Like, why, 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 why that bad? Well, like, why would you do it so hard, right? So weird. And the thing is, it's because I mentioned a certain name. And, you know, I, I didn't know, I, I, I'll, I'll um, phrase that better. I had no idea that the people that were actually voting had not checked um, their own candidates. Like they didn't even check 
to see who funds them, who doesn't fund them, who they work with, who they don't work with, right? You know, simple shit that you always look for, right? Simple shit. So it, it, it was bizarre for me when they were shocked and they were endorsing uh, this guy, John Adams, who was running on the ticket, and they were upset that I said the truth. Where I was talking about Les Wexner. Allow me to introduce you to who Leslie Wexner is. Uh, here's a piece where um, Margaret Cho um, actually narrates this. Please. Allow me to introduce this guy. I am so successful. That's Leslie Wexner. He built an empire on fast fashion brands like Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, and Abercrombie and Fitch. The billionaire Midwesterner loves turning cornfields into country clubs. And by his own account, he's got more money than he knows what to do with. And who better to manage such a massive fortune at the height of his success than Jeffrey Epstein, Elaine Maxwell's boyfriend turned convicted pedophile. I'm Margaret Cho, and this is the story of the Merlin of the Mall. On September 8, 1937, Leslie Wexner was born in Dayton, Ohio, to retailers Harry and Bella Wexner. According to Wexner, Harry and Bella worked 80-hour weeks to scratch out a living, but they never made 10000 a year. An allowance was out of the question, so Wexner cut grass and shoveled snow to earn money. When it snowed, I was happy because I could work, not because I could go sledding, Wexner said. As I look back, it seems kind of Dickensian, but it didn't feel that way to me at the time. It probably didn't feel Dickensian because it wasn't. The family had enough money to send him to private school. His classmate Peter Halliday recalled that Wexner certainly wasn't voted most likely to become a billionaire. Jokes on them. From a young age, Wexner was determined to become somebody. And I wanted to be successful whatever that meant. When he was 15, the Wexners moved to Columbus and invested their life savings in a women's clothing store named Leslie's. Maybe Harry and Bella thought their son would inherit the store someday, but he had different plans. Wexner dreamed of becoming an architect, but his father convinced him to study business administration at Ohio State instead. After college, he enrolled at the law school, but dropped out and returned to work at Leslie's. One day, his parents went on vacation and left him in charge, so Wexner decided to take a closer look at the books. Harry believed most of their profits came from coats and dresses, the highest ticket items. But the younger Wexner observed Leslie's was actually making more on lower cost items that were casual. His father didn't believe him, and this caused so much tension that he decided to open his own store called Leslie's Limited, where he exclusively sold women's sportswear separates. My friends were going to be doctors, but they were going to be specialists, not general practitioners. I began thinking about the business being a specialist. It was the only way I thought I could compete against the department stores that were dominant at the time. On August 10, 1963, Wexner opened the first limited stores. It was funded by a bank loan and a $5,000 personal loan from his spinster aunt, Ida. According to Wexner, in the first year, he made more money than his father had ever made in a single year. The following year, his sales figures tripled. Soon, Wexner bought the original Leslie's and turned it into a limited, and his parents began working for him. The company went public. 
just six years after opening. In 1978, The Limited was booming, but Wexner wanted more. He risked it all on a $30 million investment in the logistics firm Mast Industries. With factories around the world and control over production and shipping, Wexner was able to grow his business into a global phenomenon. Vanity Fair called it a genius move akin to McDonald's revolutionizing fast food. In 1982, Wexner acquired a small lingerie chain called Victoria's Secret. The founder claimed its name was supposed to evoke a dignity associated with the Victorian era, but Wexner saw something different. It was Victorian, not English Victorian, but brothel Victorian, Wexner said. And I remember saying that every, all the women I know wear underwear most of the time. All of the women I know would like to wear lingerie all of the time. And I'm just driving, driving down the highway, laughing my butt off and thinking what a funny thought that is. He expanded to Abercrombie & Fitch, Lerner New York, and Lane Bryant, and founded a number of notable brands, including Limited 2, Express, and Bath and & Body Works. The New York Times dubbed him Merlin of the Mall. He later told the Times, I built a business so I could create my own world. That's kind of his thing. In the mid-1980s, Wexner was driving through farmland in New Albany, Ohio, with his real estate developer buddy, Jack Kessler, when he decided he wanted to build a house in the country. So they had Wexner's financial advisor, Harold Levin, buy up individual plots of land, 30 acres here, 90 acres there, for very cheap. It wasn't long before Wexner and Kessler had more than 10,000 acres to develop on. Together, they started the New Albany Company and transformed rural New Albany into a self-contained town for the wealthy. First came Wexner's mansion, which today is worth a whopping $45 million. Then came the country club, touted as one of the best in the state. From there, more multi-million dollar homes, a business park, and horse stables. Nearby, they built an outdoor mall designed by the Merlin himself. For Wexner, building his own town was just a fun little side project. By that point, he was a billionaire. And according to the Limited's former security chief, Jerry Merritt, Wexner once told him, I got more money than I can ever spend. That seems like a problem most people would like to have. Of course, when you're the sixth richest person in the country, you want trustworthy and experienced people in your corner. That must be why, in 1989, Wexner asked Harold Levin to meet with a young financier named Jeffrey Epstein on his next trip to New York. Levin agreed but quickly identified Epstein as a fraud. Levin told Vanity Fair, Epstein was trying to explain a currency trade he wanted to do. I have an MBA from Ohio State, and I didn't understand a word the man said. According to Levin, Epstein didn't even have a computer on his desk. He discouraged Wexner from doing the trade, but Levin didn't realize how much sway Epstein already had over his boss and his massive fortune. Within a few months of their New York meeting, Epstein showed up in Columbus and announced to Levin that Wexner had put him in charge of his finances. Levin decided to quit. In 1991, Wexner granted Epstein full power of attorney, meaning he could legally sign Wexner's name to any document. 
Epstein also became co-president of the new Albany company, despite the fact that Epstein contributed relatively little money to the development project. And according to the New York Times, a Wexner-owned mansion that was being built in New Albany for Jack Kessler suddenly became Epstein's in 1992. Epstein and Wexner's relationship blurred the lines between personal and professional. According to Vanity Fair, when Wexner married his wife Abigail, an attorney at Davis Polk, Epstein arranged their prenuptial agreement. Bella was reportedly concerned about Epstein's influence over her son. Eventually, Epstein got her seat on the board of the Wexner Foundation. For his successful coup of Wexner's inner circle, Epstein was compensated very generously. In 2019, the Wall Street Journal reported that Epstein made $200 million from Wexner alone. Merritt told Vanity Fair he thinks it's closer to $400 million. But that's not all. According to the New York Times, over the years, Epstein acquired about $100 million worth of former Wexner property, including a lavish New York townhouse and a Columbus mansion next to Wexner's. Wexner's company also reportedly sold a private jet to Epstein at a discount. The Boeing 727 became the infamous Lolita Express, which, according to flight logs, Epstein allegedly used to shuttle former presidents and underaged girls. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. For years, Wexner was Epstein's only public client, and he was probably his wealthiest, too. As Epstein's heinous crimes have come to light, Wexner has denied any knowledge of the sex trafficking operation Epstein built in the 90s and early aughts. But Epstein took full advantage of his new stream of income and the access Wexner's companies gave him to young women. In 1993, Victoria's Secret Catalog executives heard that Epstein was posing as a talent scout. The concerning news was quickly reported to Wexner, who apparently said he would stop it. But Epstein never did stop it. In a 2020 interview, the model Alicia Arden claimed she was violated by Epstein at a hotel in 1997 after showing up to what she thought was a legitimate audition for Victoria's Secret. She said it wasn't until years later, when Epstein was charged with sex crimes against minors, that Arden realized he probably never worked for Victoria's Secret. A statement from L. Brands Inc., the Limited was renamed in 2013, confirmed that there is no record of Epstein ever being an employee or authorized representative of the company. Wexner remained friends with Epstein for a decade after the first reported fake talent scout incident. In 2003, Wexner was quoted in an article referencing Epstein's excellent judgment and unusually high standards. Then in 2006, Epstein was charged with sexually abusing minors in Palm Beach. Right before he went to jail, Epstein donated $47 million to the Wexner's newly created YLK Foundation. According to public records, Epstein's was the only donation YLK received in 2008. The foundation received zero donations in 2009 and closed in 2010. The remaining funds, some $33 million, were transferred to the Wexner Family Charitable Fund. Wexner claimed the money was a partial repayment for funds that Epstein had misappropriated over the years. According to the New York Times, Wexner cut ties with Epstein 18 months after he was charged with the Florida sex crimes. Someone who was uh, so sick, so cunning, uh, so depraved, uh, is uh, something that I'm embarrassed that I was even close to.
Following Epstein's 2019 arrest on federal sex trafficking charges in 2020, L. Brands hired the law firm of Davis Polk to conduct an independent investigation into the Wexner's ties to Epstein. But the findings from the investigation were never made public. And according to the New York Times, a shareholder lawsuit filed in May suggested Davis Polk was too close to L. Brands to be truly independent. That same month, Les Wexner decided to step down from his role as CEO of L Brands, leaving behind more questions than answers. And in the fall of 2020, a second law firm was hired to look into Wexner and Epstein's relationship. In 2021, Les, Abigail, and the other L Brands board members were named defendants in another shareholder lawsuit for various misconduct, including their ties to Epstein and an alleged entrenched culture of misogyny bullying and harassment at L Brands. In a company announcement a few months later, the Wexners said they would not seek re-election to the board. The Epstein scandal has also rocked Wexner's philanthropies, including the OSU community. Wexner became heavily involved with his alma mater starting in the mid-80s and has donated over $100 million to the university. He stepped down from the board of trustees in 2012, but his wife Abigail is the current vice chair. In 2020, five former OSU wrestlers, who are also abuse survivors, called on the Ohio Inspector General to investigate Abigail Wexner's association with Jeffrey Epstein and one of his alleged victims, Maria Farmer. In 1996, Epstein offered Farmer, then a New York City-based artist, space to work on her paintings at a new Albany mansion owned by the Wexners. Farmer had been living there for two months when she was reportedly sexually assaulted by Epstein and Maxwell inside the home. According to Farmer, she contacted the NYPD and FBI in August of 1996, but to her knowledge, neither agency took action regarding the alleged assault. In 2002, Farmer was interviewed by Vanity Fair journalist Vicki Ward, but Ward's editor, Graydon Carter, cut Farmer's story out of the final article. In 2019, Carter told the New York Times her misconduct allegations against Epstein had fallen short of their three-source editorial standard. But he also reportedly received threats from Epstein around the time, including a bullet and a severed cat head. The threats led Farmer to change her name and go into hiding for over two decades. Then in April 2019, Farmer signed an affidavit attesting to what she claims happened to her in Ohio. In her statement, she wrote, While I'm still afraid, I'm coming forward because I think it is so important to do so. Later that year, the Wexners insisted they hadn't heard of Farmer before her allegations went public. Les Wexner also wrote in a letter to L. Brand's employees that his heart goes out to each and every person who has been hurt by Epstein. When Mr. Epstein was my personal money manager, he was involved in many aspects of my financial life. But let me assure you that I was never aware of the illegal activity charged in the indictment. Maybe Wexner is just another victim of Epstein's deceit, as he claims. But as journalist Gabriel Sherman pointed out, Epstein became Epstein during his long association with Wexner. Even Epstein once told a friend, Les knows everything about me. He knows every experience I've had. The billionaire is living out his retirement in the world he designed to his tastes. Maybe he'll use his free time to raise money for the Center for Family Safety and Healing, where Abigail sits as the board chair, working to combat child abuse. Epstein's alleged madam, Ghislaine Maxwell, will stand trial in November 2021 for what prosecutors say was her role in crimes against minor girls. It's unclear if Wexner's name will come up. For more on Ghislaine Maxwell, 
be sure to check out the brand new docuseries. Huh. So that's weird because I've written about Les Wexner before all that shit came out from a lot of people, right? Way before. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like they said, Epstein became Epstein and a mega million flying jet flying. I've wrote who made him millionaire. And it was another friend of West's, of Les Wexner's. So um, let's just uh, understand that the Wexner's, Abigail and Les, fund the governor of Ohio, the secretary of state of Ohio, and almost every freaking candidate of Ohio. People should take a look and see those that are running for Senate Congress if they've received money from Les and Abigail Wexner too. See, that's the problem. People don't pay attention. And I remember that when I did my um, my campaign event um, with the independent, the guy running um, for governor independently, Neil Peterson, um, at the church, people were appalled that I said it. And I said, he's literally been paid by a pedophile. And I've written an extensive article. Uh, Maria Framer, her brother and her were held prisoners and captive on his estate in Ohio. And so, again, people have to be paying attention. Now, um, someone mentioned, reminded me of something that someone else had told me that um, about a year or so ago or two, they were digging in on the property of Les Wexner that they were actually digging like with diggers um, and they were like a bunch of feds. So maybe this is why he stepped down. But I, uh, one thing I want you to understand is that um, these rich and powerful people that make businesses that are smart, that, um, you know, uh, are, are, you know, find an opportunity and they grasp it. Big CEOs, are always used by the agencies for nefarious and non-nefarious reasons. They are exceptional assets to penetrate foreign governments to conduct deals. Uh, They are exceptional assets to garner information. They're exceptional assets to become honeypots because they're rich for targets I mean, I, I, I've, I've made it no secret as to how I knew Patrick Byrne all this time because I would be, you know, just being around whenever he'd have a meeting somewhere. This is how they utilize these people. And obviously, the majority of the time they get blackmail um, on them, or depending on who's tasked them and who tapped them to do what work. So, uh, you know, we, we, we saw all these trials, which seems like a very long time ago with the Nixium, uh, you know, um, cult, right? Where they were branding women, uh, Claire Bromfman having women in closets and passing out. Her daddy had a ton of money. Wexner, the Bushes, the Clintons, they all rolled together. And one thing that, you know, unfortunately, obviously was not stated is that he got busted for, you know, sexual interactions with a minor after he was kicked out of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago. So let's take a look at the civil complaint that was put forward against them. Civil complaint. 
Tonight, one of Columbus's most prominent businessmen, Les Wexner, is in some hot water. A civil complaint has been filed against Wexner, the founder of L Brands, along with its board of directors. And it's shedding new light on Wexner's alleged relationship with Jeffrey Epstein and now dead convicted sex offender. Good evening and thanks for joining us at six. I'm Andrew Kinsey. And I'm Yolanda Harris. Now I paused it. Did you hear it? Alleged. It's not alleged. The guy had a free check. He had a power of attorney. He was using his jets to go to the islands. He was using his money and he became who he was because of his relationship with Les Wexner. It's not alleged. See the cop out. Now, 10TV's Kevin Landers has been following this story. And as he explains, the complaint was filed by a current shareholder of the company who says the Wexners knew or should have known what Epstein was doing. According to a complaint filed in Delaware State Court by a current L Brands shareholder, Leslie Wexner, the former longtime leader of L Brands that includes Victoria's Secret, created a culture within his company which caused the company to have an entrenched culture of misogyny, bullying and harassment as well as ties to Jeffrey Epstein and other egregious mismanagement. What makes this complaint newsworthy is that for the first time, it names Abigail Wexner as having more than a financial connection to Jeffrey Epstein, the now deceased convicted sex offender who controlled millions of the Wexner's fortune as their financial advisor. The complaint alleges the Wexner's let Epstein use their home for liaisons with victims. One of Epstein's victims, Virginia Jufrey, has claimed that he directed her to have sex with Mr. Wexner, among others. Another victim, Maria Farmer, has accused Abigail Wexner of acquiescence while Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell sexually assaulted her in the New Albany compound and effectively imprisoned her there and kept her under security guard. The Wexners still maintain their home in New Albany. 10TV contacted L. Browns for comment but did not receive a reply. Wexner has made public he had no knowledge of Epstein's sex trafficking scheme until police found out. 10TV confronted Wexner in February of last year about his connection to Epstein. You don't always grant interviews, so are you able to say why you decided to step down? Was it related to concerns about culture within your company? No, of course not. Or the Thank fallout you. from Mr. Epstein? Thanks. The complaint claims Mr. Wexner knew or should have known that Epstein was using his relationship with the Wexners and the company to recruit aspiring models by posing as a recruiter and lying to them about his ability to get them. The complaint alleges that because of failed oversight by current and former board members, L Brand suffered financial damages. Kevin Landers, 10TV News. Nobody's talking about the fact that, you know, he sexualized children and created pink so that younger girls can have thongs. But okay, I digress. And here's his first public appearance after he stepped down. Look at this. His first public appearance in Central Ohio, Ohio since resignation from L Brands became public and news that Victoria's Secret will be sold. NBC4's Catherine Ross caught up with Wexner at Ohio State and has more on what he had to say. You've probably seen the Wexner name all across Columbus, but it's especially prevalent here at the Ohio State University. And that's what brought Les and Abigail Wexner both here for a Wexner Medical Center board meeting this morning. They say that's what they prefer to focus on right now. Now, the Wexners arrived together for the four-hour meeting this morning. Their appearance comes almost a week after Les Wexner announced he was stepping down as CEO of L Brands, while Victoria's Secret is sold to private equity firm Sycamore Partners. Wexner is still under scrutiny for his association with convicted child sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. 
Sales have also been declining for the lingerie company after claims of a misogynistic culture and uncomfortable fit. Now, previously in a release, Wexner told employees he thought this was the best course of action to get the brand back on track. Today, he had less to say. Just heading to a meeting. Thank you. Wexner originally founded what would eventually become L Brands back in 1963. He does plan to stay on the board there as chairman emeritus. Local for you in Columbus, Catherine Ross, NBC4. Isn't it weird how, you know, they're given a pass because they have money? You know, it's so weird. And who bought uh, the brand? It's just so weird. See, they all wash each other's hands. <laughs> they all cover for each other. And so it makes you wonder, how do we end this? It feels really overwhelming, considering that, you know, even President Trump endorsed them, uh, knowing that, you know, they're funded by pedophiles. The whole capital of the state has Wexner's name everywhere. Really weird. Very weird. And so he's not on the board, but he owns the companies. What happened to, um, what is it called? An executive order that says that you confiscate and you freeze all assets. All assets of those that are involved in such behavior. So weird, isn't it? But that's changing. Because people are waking up and they're starting to see things for exactly what they are. That is changing. Now, I thought I would leave uh, our Friday night with a funny um, Asking. Uh, video. I don't know if you guys have seen this guy named Alex Stein that bombards, uh, you know, these... Um, city council meetings, school board meetings, and, you know, literally shows them who they are. I thought that we could end it on a funny note. And watch this. People, what they think? Joe Biden or Donald Trump is a better president? I'm from England, mate. Trump is. Trump's done a lot of bad things. You like Trump more? Yeah, yeah. Trump's got a bit of a sociality, a social a bit about him. Barack Obama. Is better than both of them? Yep. Yeah. I fuck with Trump, though. Something good Joe Biden has done as president? I like Joe yeah. Biden. Marijuana. Smoke weed every day. Oh, bro, we smoking weed. Man, weed is legal, man. Whoa. I care about weed. Who cares about Joe Biden? Yeah, obviously, uh, I suppose Trump was quite bad to the minority communities, such as black people, LGBTQ plus communities, and uh, other people, really. You know why? Why? Because he fucks with us. I mean, he's a, he's a billionaire or whatever, he's a millionaire. But that's Trump, though. Everybody say this, that, and third, but like, guess what? He made a lot of people's lives better. Unsee. So what you can't see day and night, I can see for you. Bless you. Both same fun. Both good go. or both bad? Huh? Are they both good or are they both bad? They're both, they're both on the same level. It's politicians. You know, they're both their books. I think he's the best. You know, I, I think he stepped up to the Obama. I think he's a good person to go to. What about Donald Trump? Hell no. He done fucked up the country. I have no right motherfucking to Trump. What was good Joe Biden Nothing. Zero. He's worse than Obama. Fuck Obama, I said it. 
He was the worst president we ever had. We need Trump back. Like, they fucked him. He couldn't even do what he wanted to do because they were so busy fucking with him. And then the supporters who sounded like, they kind of went out of hand. But they made they had a point. You know what I mean? Like, if you're my guy, you're my guy. I'm going to ride with you. It don't make a difference. Joe Biden, fuck out of Obola. He knew it was coming. So he said, no, let's be safe and keep it out there. But as soon as um, the new president got in, he took it all out. Trump did a lot for this country. A hell of a lot. Even though some people didn't like him. It's the same as uh, in England. we got Boris Johnson. Yeah, but he, you know, I kind of like the issue Boris Johnson said about trans people. I like what he said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boris Johnson, I mean, um, he said he said back in 2020 he was going to ban conservation therapy. Um, but in 2022, he's now changed this to uh, only trans people. So in reality, conservation therapy shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing at all. But the thing is, um, our society should be more inclusive. What do you mean? They're both doing it. They're all the same thing. Just in case you were wondering, there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way about the things that are going on today here. You're not, you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. And people are starting to see the truth and your stickers help. And the new wave of stickers is going to help. And other things that we're doing are going to help. Because if we don't do something, then who is? That's key. We always have to aspire. And uh, every day we go to work, we take care of our families, we take care of our homes, we cook dinner, we clean up, we do laundry. I hate laundry. I really hate doing laundry. I, you know, I wish it could magically fold. The person that invents magically folding your shit will be a kajillionaire, okay? But you can also add to that by working in your community, by ensuring that you're being heard by ensuring that the right laws are passed. We can all participate in different amounts of participation from little to more. Now, next week is going to be a crazy week for me, guys. Um, uh, Monday, I file my signatures. Tuesday, I file my lawsuit. And then Tuesday night, I leave for Tennessee and um, I will be in Chattanooga to have the first hearing in my Terps and Hori Maris versus Dominion voting Congressman Cohen, uh, Ali Abdul Razak Akbar in Media Matters. So, and then after that, I have to go um, to Florida to get some stuff done. And obviously I'm going to be doing more stuff now and I'll be back uh, Tuesday um, evening. I should be doing a show. Oh, wait, no, Tuesday evening. I will not be doing a show because I'll be flying to Tennessee. Um, I will be doing one Monday night. Um, I will be doing one Wednesday night. Um, I don't know if I'll be doing one Thursday night, but I will let you know on Wednesday night because it kind of depends on where I'm going. Um, and I will keep you guys updated. For those of you that are going to be seeing me in Chattanooga, I'm really excited. Um, 
I am a little bit, um, you know, nervous because Monday I have to um, take in my signatures to be put on the ballot. And obviously they're going to contest it. Uh, but, you know, I'm also filing the lawsuit. Maybe I can do it that same day um, if I get back in time or if the attorney can do it the same day, like right after I file them that. I filed all these signatures. Here's my filing and here are all the signatures I filed. And um, we'll see how how that goes. I, I might, because um, we're scanning all of them ourselves again, um, I'm going to probably submit those to the court as well. Uh, so on the fourth, we'll see if Akbar turns up. You know, who knows? He may. Uh, but uh, I can tell you that um, I will be streaming that on Locals for sure. So make sure you're subscribed to my Locals so you can see it. Because uh, Rumble's, I, I can't live stream from Rumble. I mean, I, I'm going to see if there is a way that I can or else it'll be on Locals. And um, uh, yeah, and you know, people are going to start getting rolled up next week. So that's another thing. I have to speak with the prosecutors on Monday. So that's going to be weird. I don't know when I'm going to fit that in. It's going to have to be done over the phone. So that is kind of like prelude for what's coming up. Um, for all of you out there, just be mindful um, because today it was kind of like a little bit of a, you know, a shocking thing for me to be like, oh my gosh, how did I let that happen? I feel so dumb. Uh, so on that note, I want to wish you guys a fantastic evening, a fantastic weekend. Um, and for those of you that are part of my subscribe star family, locals family, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, and you know, I'm I'm already gearing up for the Antarctica, but not yet. Okay, guys, let let it let it come as it should. And just remember, everything you're doing is for your country, your future, and your legacy. We have to remember that in everything we do. Thank you.